welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Krabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident Krabby Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Tori, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you. I have always felt like I would fit in very well in this podcast. Thanks for having me. You are one of us. (laughs) You are welcome. We were just talking before we started recording. I came across you not long before we booked you for the show because you just had a TikTok and a reel go super viral sharing your story, which worked out because you also have a book that comes out in August. Yeah. These are the things that I just know God's hand is over my life and he is so perfect in his timing. There are so many times that I was just pouring out my heart on social media and the algorithm is rough and we Mm. do it. Like, I think that people think that influencers, especially influencers who are like advocates, you know, they think that we're just doing it like for ourselves. We're just doing it for the followers, but really like, so we put stuff out there and I know you can relate to this. So that people find the good and the true and the beautiful and, you know, what we're putting out there so that they're encouraged, so that they find hope. And I just felt like, man, everything that I'm putting out there, like it's not getting very far, almost feeling like my time spent online was a waste. And then I put the most simplest, like most simplest reel out there, literally copied off of someone else, which I said in my my caption that like the, the creative aspect of it was not mine, but someone else's. And yeah, it goes viral and it like blows up overnight. And, and, and then my book is obviously going to release and just knowing that that was, I, I've always felt like that's kind of the one thing that God wanted me to do was put the story out there in a more concrete way. And so just felt like he really blessed it through that reel and affirmed me like, well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so Darius Daniels is one of my favorite pastors. And he has this quote where he says, God has no problem elevating the voices of those who will elevate him. Because I know people can get real weird about Christians and influencer culture and all of that kind of stuff. And my story is very similar. Like there have been posts that I've just thrown together and put out there. And then you come back and they have 25,000 likes and you're like, what is happening? And you just put it together to like help inform or educate or advocate. And God does the rest. I don't know about you. Like I've never really put a ton of effort into making that kind of stuff go big. It just God, like, I really think God does it. God is mm-hmm. God stronger than Instagram's yeah. evil algorithm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so your book fostered comes out August 30th. And if people haven't seen the real, it shares your story of going through foster, the foster care system and in the end, like prospering and what, what God did. So just in case people don't know your story, give us a screenshot, which is difficult to do. I know. Yeah. So born to 
a single mom. She uh, was severely mentally ill, but she loved me. Like she loves me so much. But I, I did end up going to the foster care system for the first time due to a drug bust when I was three. And then I was really happy to be reunited with my mom. And like I said, my mom loves me. I love my mom. But then as I grew up, our relationship just got a lot more volatile. My mom's mental illness kind of grew after she got in a car accident. And then abuse and neglect just kind of skyrocketed in our house. And so I went into the foster care system again, this time with my sister, who's 10 years younger than me. And we were separated after our first home together, which that was probably one of the hardest parts of my time in the system, because I thought when we were going in, I was like, oh, this is going to be like our chance at a family and like a new life. And then that it was like the complete opposite. So I went to a residential group home, went to go live in about 10 more homes after that. And then I chose to emancipate the day I turned 18 because I just felt really burned from the system. And a lot of people in our community spoke a lot of negative things over me that I was just going to be a statistic. But at the same time, I was in the church. And, you know, there was a lot of things that I saw in the church that I thought, you know, I don't, I, the church isn't for me. I don't like the church. But the reality was I really couldn't escape the goodness of the church either. And I think so many Christians feel that way. Like there are, there are things in the church that we all don't like. Like we see injustices. We see pastors who don't walk the talk. But then there is so much goodness in the church when the church does walk the talk and when we're in community. And so that's kind of the stuff that I just couldn't escape. Um, I had a track coach that poured into me and loved me, told me he believed in me. I had a mentor, a woman mentor who really mothered me and still mothers me till this day. And really that had a lot to do with me becoming the success story now that people see that I am. I became a five-time state champion in track and field, got married, I had my own family, and now I'm the author of Fostered. And you're Miss Universe. Yes. I was named Mrs. Universe Mrs. in Universe. 2021. I always feel like it was some kind of fluke. Like <laughs> I, I did it. So my husband and I, we were fostering a sibling group of three at the time. And they were three, two, and one. And we have two biological children. And during that time, we also adopted an adult. And so um, it was just a whirlwind of life. And I was momming like all day, every day. And when you mom 24 seven, you're probably looking ugly, like probably a little busted, you know, with the messy bun, no makeup, like haven't taken a shower in three days. And I have something crusty on my shirt at all times. Like it was just gross. And so I was like, I want to do something that makes me feel beautiful. Like I want to do something fun. And it was also the season of life where like, I was also in the middle of writing the book and I, you know, I was doing all these things because I want to live a life for God. I want to live a life for Christ. I want people to see Christ in me. I was just in a time of prayer. And I felt like he said, you don't have to work for me. Like, just work with me. Mm. Like, Just be with me. And I kept thinking like pageantry is so superficial. Like a good Christian wouldn't do pageantry, you know, just like that judgmental, like, like those judgmental thoughts of the industry. And honestly, I, I still think that I probably would never do it again. But I thought, you know, I'm going to be with God during this time. And I think because I was obedient to him, you know, he blessed it. And here we are. Yeah. That's the trippiest little rabbit trail in your story is like Mrs. Universe. Just like it's just a side 
side note, you don't even, you just very intentionally didn't mention it in like your successes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just funny. I love it. Okay. But it really is crazy. And like, I think like when I say it, it still sounds unreal. Like it still doesn't sound right to say it. Well, and you're so normal. And I want to be like, people are like, oh my God, it's Mrs. Universe. And I'm like, no, really like, I walk around barefoot in my hometown. Like I will walk into a coffee shop barefoot. I am like, because I'm too tired to put on shoes from mothering the night before. Like, I just feel like I shouldn't have that title, but I do. So, But you do. And it's (laughs) so cool. Like, it's so, I love it. I had to throw that in there. When I knew when you were like, I was a five time track and field star. I was like, she's going to skip Mrs. I know she is. I can tell she is. I was like, I'm going to throw it in there. You have this very interesting perspective into the foster care system because thankfully that conversation is growing. I feel like we're seeing it a lot more in the church and even secularly, you're seeing people raising awareness and that's so good. But there's something about hearing from people who have walked through it, who have been even in and out of it. You were in it, you you were reunited, you went back in. And one thing I think people don't understand about the foster foster care system is that reunification is the goal. Right. Yes. You just said it. I think that that's something that people don't think about when they enter the foster care system. A lot of people think, and I don't mean this harshly because there are a lot of people who struggle with infertility and can't afford infant adoption. You know, yeah. it's like upwards of fifty dollars to $50,000. And so they go into foster care because it's a cheap way, free way. To adopt. And it's really a great way to do that. But at the same time, like the actual goal of foster care is not to adopt. It's mm-hmm. to um, make families whole. Sometimes that's kinship care. Sometimes that's reunification and sometimes it is adoption. But, you know, the goal of foster care is to make families whole. And I think I'm kind of even moving away from people are like, oh, the goal of foster care is reunification. And I used to say the same thing. And now I'm, I think I'm kind of moving away from that because actually it's just to heal families. It's just to mm-hmm. make families whole in some capacity. And it's, it's interesting the way foster care works. There's a lot of different avenues for that to be done. So yeah, the more I have talked about foster care, even though I have been, like you said, like I've, I grew up in foster care and now I'm on the other side of it, working in advocacy. And as a foster parent, I feel like I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Like how to talk about it and how to view it in a way that really encompasses the full beauty of it and the full brokenness of it. Mm-hmm. Well, in that word heal, like sometimes healing means you need to be apart. Like that ended up being what you like in the end, you didn't need to be reunited with your mom. That wasn't what was best for you. I didn't want to be reunited with my mom. I knew um, that wouldn't be good for me. I didn't want her to be reunited with my mom. Because yeah, it was very unhealthy and it was very abusive. And at the same time, you know, I remember my mom, she never wanted us to be adopted. And I didn't know that when I was in the system. I actually just always thought that nobody wanted me. Now that I'm older, I know more about my case. And I know now that my mom actually um, had a pretty heavy hand in us not being adopted because she always was like, I'm their mom. And she is, she is my mom. And I always look at her as my mom. Um, but at the same time, there was always this deep yearning for family and for connection and for permanency, um, not moving from home to home. And for someone to just like love me as I was, that would have 
like broken my mom. Right. Um, and so healing, it's not just about the child. I, I think that it should be predominantly about the child. I do. But there's also healing that has to happen in the parent, especially if reunification is the final goal. Because right. if a child is going to go back, you know, such is such an obvious thing, but if the child's going to go back to their parent, then, you know, we want that parent to be healed and whole. And I think this is the biggest missing piece in the foster care system. And again, we're starting to talk about it, but there's not really many solutions to it yet, is that there's not a lot of resources for biological parents, for birth parents, and helping them rehabilitate, heal, get their children back in their hands. They're given this humongous caseload. My husband and I, we um, ended up taking in the mom of our of that sibling group of three. We ended up, she ended up living with us for, I think it was about two months. And, you know, just to see how difficult her case plan was, I was like, I don't know if I could like, yeah, like complete this, this case, the amount of time that they were giving her with just the lack of family she had, the lack of resources. Um, and even in everything that we offered her, I was like, it was so discouraging. So it's like, it felt like they, the caseworkers, um, human services was almost making it impossible because they were trying to trying to have like a lot of uh, the surface things in place without a lot of engaging in a lot of like the root healing that needed right. to take place before these surface level things were priority. And I do think the parents get so forgotten in this conversation in, in both the adoptive and fostering conversations. If you want to give people the benefit of the doubt, I don't think it comes from like a negative dismissive place. I think we are so innately, so many of us innately want children and love children that that becomes our focus. And the people who birth those children kind of fall to the wayside. And as understandable as that is, it doesn't make it right. And so you guys brought in the mother of this sibling group. Like, let's speak to people who are fostering. If that's not within people's capacity, do you have ideas of like how people can start to bridge that gap? Yeah. And I should say that is super unusual, like to go to that extent. And it's not um, obligated or like upon anyone when you are in like if someone's like I'm interested in foster care oh I'm gonna take a birth parent like that is right. not normal <laughs> right um we volunteered to do that opened our home to do that that was not anything to do with the system itself but I think to bridge the gap there actually is so many things something that I tell foster parents which they really hate hearing but it's just so simple create a google account number and give them your phone number. Like just mm. give your phone number away. They're going to want your phone number and you get to give them a Google number. It's not even your real number and they're not going to know that. So they're going to be like, wow, this person has trusted me enough to have their number, which probably no other foster parent and even caseworkers has not, has, have not done for them. Send them pictures of their kids mm. every day. Just send them at least one picture. And something that we always did for our biological parents as we were foster parents was we always told them that we love them. And we always told them that we were on their side. And we really meant it. We went into foster care and we said, we do not have an agenda 
any child that comes into our home, yes, adoption is a beautiful thing. Obviously, I, I love adoption. It has made my heart so whole. But at the same time, I don't want to walk in my will. I want to walk in God's will. And if we do that in the foster care system, we really just have to walk into it and say, I am here to fill a need. I don't have, have any agenda. I'm just here to fill a need. Yeah. And so we just always told her, you know, we love you. We're tied. And there were times where she would like flip out on us and call me names. And because she's like, you're trying to steal my babies because that's what they experience, mm-hmm. right? Because these people are wanting to enter the foster care system to adopt babies. And so I always told her, I'm not trying to steal your babies. Like I'm on your team and I'm cheering for you and I want what's best for you and your baby no matter what. And all of those things were true. Even if adoption would to happen, still all of those things are true. Do you think that that heart and mindset needs to be in place before people enter the foster care system? No, 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 no. I think, you know, this is the beautiful thing about having children, you know, even by even having biological children. If we had to be the perfect parent before we had actually, first, let me start off with I thought I was the perfect parent and then I had children. <laughs> and if we had to be like the perfect parent before we had children, we would never have them. And mm-hmm. the same goes as, like into the system. Yes, we, we are dealing with more chaotic, traumatic situations and people who have very real trauma, but in everything, like God is sanctifying us and growing us. And that is true too for the foster care system. I don't think that we have to have it all or know it all. I just think that we have to be humble enough to listen to the Lord and listen to people around us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Cause I think it can feel daunting. I'm sure it does. Stepping into that adoptive or, or fostering wanting to have all the pieces in place, the tangible pieces and the like emotional, mental, motivating pieces. And so I think that that hopefully extends like freedom to people that like, you don't have to check all the boxes, like just be the hands and feet of Jesus and figure it out as you go. Yes. Yeah. That's so good. And another thing I say all the time is like, People, you know, I'll be like, oh, have you ever thought about foster care or adoption? And people be like, I'm not called to that. I'm not called to that. When we look up, like, what is the calling in the Christian way that we talk about it? It's like a vocation. It's something that we're called to for the rest of our lives. And I think people have this skewed idea of foster care. Like, you don't have to do it the rest of your life. Like, right. that's not what foster care is. You can take in one child for, you can do for a month. You can do respite care for a weekend. Right. Like, I think there's idea when we look at foster parents, you know, there are a lot of foster parents we look at, they fostered for a decade, Mm -hmm. they have 10 plus kids. And it's like, and it really is their vocation, it is their calling. But foster care does not have to be a calling for you to do it. It can just be the season that you do it. I'm just I'm waiting for a moment in the church where we all look at one another and instead of like looking at the foster parents and the adoptive parents, instead of being like, oh my gosh, they're amazing. They're the heroes. Like, where did they hang their cape? Like, we're going to be like, oh, we're just co-laboring. Like, we're just co-laboring yes. in this thing of taking care of the orphan and the widow. It's normal. Yeah. I think you touched on something really important, though, is that as with so many things, it comes back to a lack of understanding. To care for children and widows, you don't have to necessarily bring a child into your home full time because there are situations and circumstances that don't allow for that. Like just straight up, there are standards, which you may not meet that are required to foster 
or you may not, you and your spouse could not be on the same page or not actually feel like in this season, that's what you're called to do. But you just listed off like so many, like people don't know about respite care. People don't know about like, we have CASA. I don't know if that's a national thing, but it's where you like. Yes. Yeah, it is. CASA. Yeah. You, where you advocate then, yeah, for these like, kids. Yes. And then there's like safe families, you mm-hmm. know, and that's where you actually prevent kids from going into the foster care system. But these aren't the things that are marketed. These aren't the exactly. things that we see. The only thing we see is like become a foster parent. And that's mm-hmm. like what it's like the, the marketing is really saying like, come dive into the deepest end of the pool off of the high dive rather than like, if we said, come do respite, like that's right. like dip your toes in to the baby pool. And then like, if you're like, come do safe families, that's like, come wade in like the place where you could touch the bottom if you needed mm-hmm. to, you know what I mean? And, yeah. but we just advertise foster care so wrong. A hundred percent. But I think you're helping like fix that conversation just by like offering the knowledge and also by having the conversation as someone who was in it and now does it like that is just such a unique and beautiful and I think impactful combination that you're like okay I lived it now I'm gonna like do the thing you know what I mean yeah Blake the thing I the thing I always go back to is that I did like experience so much brokenness in the system there is a lot of corruption in it. And I think this is what I, another thing I hear from Christians and people in the church is just too broken. It's just too dark. I couldn't do it. But the thing is like, we have the Holy spirit that literally dwells within us. And that's what I keep going back to. Like I have the Holy spirit who literally dwells within me. And because it's not me, like I can't heal these things. I can't make these things whole, but God who literally dwells within our beings can. Yeah. If anybody should be wading into the dark, is it not the light? (laughs) and look I've shared about this like in bits and pieces through different interviews but my heart has been for foster and adoption since I was young I married someone who is not still like not fully there and so I pray a lot and we have a lot of conversations and we get heated sometimes because we disagree about it And I'm trusting God with the outcome and just, but to be honest, even as someone who has like been involved in some capacity and had like a pulse on that world, I've just in the last few years started to learn and understand respite care, safe families, CASA, like that there are these other options that like you're saying, maybe me as an individual, maybe I could dive in, but my husband needs to wade in. And so if we start having these conversations, allowing people to understand that you would see a really massive shift, especially in the church, because as bad of a rep as the church can get, and look, it's got its issues. There are really good people that do want to help and just don't know how. Exactly. And that's why I think we have to, like I said, we just got to change the marketing. Something, Something else that I always tell people is like, go up to your pastor and be like, hey, who are the foster families in our church? Like, I just want to take them a meal or I want to volunteer to watch their kids. So they on a date night or like, I just want to bring them like, I want to, I want to buy the foster mom a a massage, like a massage gift certificate. You know, these are the the little things that go a really long way. And if your pastor's like, I don't know the foster families in our church, be like, okay, let's like, let's start to get to know them. You know, then you're starting something. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Exactly. 
I love that. There's actually a nonprofit here called Fostering Hope. And it's a woman from my church who has been a social worker for a really long time. And now she advocates to get kids in the system braces. Oh, yes. Like that is so awesome because, you know, kids, the the foster care insurance. Right. So she's like made a connection with an orthodontist locally and they raise funds and the orthodontist gives them like a really significant discount. They talked about it in church not, just not that long ago. And it was like, it was some really crazy number that she'd already gotten braces. And she tells these really incredible stories about how having had those braces and getting a better smile realistically helps them enter the workplace, helps them get the jobs that they want, which is crazy to think about, but it makes sense. Like I get, I, I get it. So there's just, there's so many yeah. options. Yep. Yeah. And Another super easy way, if you just like want to be involved in the foster care system, but you don't even have like the bandwidth to like, I don't know if I have the bandwidth, the time to be like physically involved, like to give my time, follow the foster care community on social media, because there are always so many opportunities to give to different things. Like, I think it was like a year ago, I did a fundraiser for a kid who in the system, he, he was in a, he was very, in a very unique situation where he was like in the system, but not in the system. So like, he definitely couldn't get braces. And I just did a fundraiser for him. He wanted, he wants to be a pastor. And you know, that is like, people are going to be looking at your grill all day. If you're going to, you're going to be preaching, like you're going to be talking on social media, like people are going to be looking at your grill all the time. And so we did a fundraiser for him and we raised the money that he needed to straighten his teeth. I mean, within the map, it was probably like three days. And so follow people on social media who are doing the work, who are in it, because there are so many opportunities that you see like, oh, I can help. Like, even if it's just in donating a dollar, because every little bit goes such a long way. Absolutely. So speaking of Tori, tell people where they can follow you, keep in touch with you and where they can get your book. Yes. All of my things, TikTok, Instagram, my website, all the same, Tori Hope Peterson. And Peterson is S-E-N, not S-O-N. And people can buy my book off of Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I love when people buy it off Amazon because I love to watch like, <laughs> I love to watch it like rise and yes. fall on the numbers. Like I'm such a stalker. Like I probably check that thing every three hours. I'm, I'm an Enneagram too with a very strong three wing. So I love me like some accomplishments. The other day, the book was ranked like 102 and I was watching it off Amazon. I'm like, am I about to get in the top 100 on Amazon? I didn't. I was so sad. But like, I, I mean, I was refreshing it like every five minutes. Please go buy it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, wherever you like to purchase your books. And you can find me at Tori Hope Peterson. I love me an Enneagram three or three wing that's willing to be like, I love to win. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's, it's the reason why I like, there, it's so much of who I am. Like I'm thankful for it. I know yeah. that maybe to culture, to society, it can look a little superficial or really competitive, but I just own it. Like, <laughs> I love it. God didn't make a mistake. Like he's okay with you being competitive, especially for Thank the kingdom. You. you know what I mean? Oh. I'm an Enneagram eight. He's okay with me being a loud mouth for the kingdom. It's fine. I love that (laughs) thank you so much this was such a great conversation thank you thank you so much for having me all right that's it for this week thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy christian podcast and hey by the way if you super loved it 
can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.